0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here doing the most for you. It is episode 79. I got some of the episodes jumbled up last time, but we're back on track, at least from a number standpoint. Yeah, you know, when I was gone in China, my, my brain was kind of like mumbo-jumbo, but we're back on track. This is the show, everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. We like to have fun with it. This show is also all about you all. Now that I'm back we're back on track i want you all to call in let me know what you're thinking we have a lot of products coming out in september we're just about to hit that a lot of rumors coming out about phones macbooks maybe apple watch all the things that you can think of really this is like the hot season for apple so call in the show you know what to do it's a voice memo recording send it into to bits at gmail.com that's applebits with a z and you just use the voice memo app it sounds really good. It's really clean. And we do have some calls for this week's show. Also, you can support this show at patreon.com slash Tong. I'm 100% independent. It starts at $2 a month. We have different levels of support. But the biggest thing here, a completely ad-free version of the show you hear. None of this, along with other benefits. So I would love your support at patreon.com slash Tong. But let's just jump right into it. A lot of things happened uh, just right after the last show's recording, like Apple buying Intel's smartphone modem business. So we will get to that. But first, let's jump into Apple's earnings. They announced their financial results for the third fiscal quarter of 2019. That actually uh, corresponds to the second calendar quarter of the year. So these would be considered their June earnings. They were just announced on Wednesday in the midday. And the big news here, Apple posted a revenue of $53.8 billion, a net quarterly profit of $10 billion. The revenue figure was Apple's highest ever for the June quarter. So if you look at them historically, this third fiscal quarter of 2019 was their highest ever June quarter. They just beat out a year ago, although their profits dipped on lower margins. So we're gonna break down some of the information that they have. Again, Apple doesn't specifically report number of units of products sold. They used to do a real deep dive breakdown. They said, hey, we're no longer gonna do this, so we can only kind of pull general trends off of what they're indicating to us. There's gonna be a lot of numbers in here, but bear with us because I think it really gives us a good indication of the health of Apple and what is happening right now. So first up, iPhone revenue was down nearly 12% compared to the quarter a year ago. What made up for this difference in their revenue and their profits? Growth in the Mac, iPad, services, and wearables were slightly more than enough to offset the iPhone drop. Now, iPhone revenue total, we don't know units sold, but the total revenue was $25.9 billion. That is... 48% 48% of Apple's overall revenue. Now, this is the first quarter ever. Not ever, but the first quarter where iPhone accounted for less than half of Apple's revenue since 2012. That's a big indicator of how we've talked about the slowdown in Apple iPhone sales. A lot of people are saying is, you know, have a variety of reasons of why they think this is. I think the main reason, obviously, we've talked about it on here. Not only really a lack of innovation, but a $1,000 iPhone for the XS that just didn't offer that much. And also, Apple has slowed down their design life cycle. They're basically kind of on a almost a three-year new design life cycle. But people also aren't going to upgrade their phone year after year for $1,000. Are y'all doing that? I know. I would say... At least two thirds of our listeners are not doing that. At least, it's just not feasible, especially with what they're bringing to the table. So again, the first quarter where iPhone accounted for less than half of Apple's revenue—that's a big deal. They also said Apple even said, right? They just beat out their year ago quarter compared to last year because profits dipped on lower margins. So. They're making less money on what they're selling. Probably a lot of that has to do with, like we've heard reports of the iPhone XR being the top selling iPhone. There are lower margins on the iPhone 10R than you'll get on the $1,000 iPhone. Also, very strong performance from both the Mac and the iPad. Apple says it was an absolute blowout quarter for wearables that um, accelerated growth of well over 50% from the year ago quarter. So, wearables in apple's mind is not only the apple watch but we're talking about the airpods a growth of well over 50 percent from a year ago in comparison services the big thing here services hit an all-time high of 11.5 billion dollars now if you've been following along with this for a while tim cook had put out this statement that he said hey I want Apple to double its services revenue by 2020. Now, when he did that, it was back in January of 2017. I looked it up. And at that time, Apple's services business was at 7.17 billion. So right now we are at mid-2019. It's at 11.5 billion. The goal is to get to basically somewhere around 15, a little under 15 billion dollars. They're going to do that because they still haven't released the Apple card, which is going to be considered a service. They still haven't released Apple Arcade, and they haven't released Apple TV+. Plus. And then they even intimated that they have some other services, other products that are service-based that are coming down the line. So Apple is well on track with that. And look, we, we know we're seeing how they're evolving. We're seeing how iPhone is dipping, services is gonna have to pick up that slack and it absolutely is. Apple surpassed 420 million paid subscribers for all their services and again, they remain on track to double it. Their goal is to hit 500 million paid subscribers by the end of this year. Also, the big news from the earnings report, Tim Cook and friends said that they will be absolutely rolling out the Apple card in August. So they didn't give a specific date, but they said the Apple card is coming sometime in August. They've been doing beta testing with their own Apple employees internally. Same with Goldman Sachs. Apple card coming in August. I did a video all about everything that we need to know about the Apple card. Um, And so that's coming very, very soon. Also, they said Apple Arcade and Apple TV Plus that will be coming in the fall. There is no specific release date or specific month associated with that. And as, again, they still have not released any specific pricing. And I don't even care when Apple TV Plus comes out, quite honestly. I've told you this. I'm I'm standing pretty firm and strong on this. I will do the trial, but my money's going to Disney Plus. Disney Plus is taking Apple TV's lunch. So I'm gonna be really curious what those numbers going to look like for Apple TV plus after we get past the free trial plan i want to see how many actual subscribers so apple will typically they might they don't always have to actually they probably won't report apple tv plus numbers cuz they're not even breaking down unit sales for hardware products anymore i know disney plus will disney plus is going to brag about it cuz that thing's going to be bonkers bonkers all right also wearables the home and accessories revenue grew 48% to over $5.5 billion. They had a June quarter record. Uh, again, we talked about the wearables business over well over 50%. They say it has become the size of a Fortune 200 company just over the last 12 months. Double-digit growth from Apple TV and accessories as well. All right, also, Mac revenue. They say Mac was a big contributor to this. Again, they all had to offset the drop in. In the iPhone. Mac revenue was up $5.8 billion. That's 11% year over year. Another June quarter record for Macs, significantly outpacing the PC industry. They said that non iPhone product categories grew a combined 20%. Services revenue grew 13%. And that's how we got that services revenue number to $11.5 billion. So, you know, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers out at you. I'm trying to kind of keep it at a measured pace so we can follow along here. But the biggest thing here is services are exploding. So our wearables and iPhone is dropping right now. Um I think the big quarter of comparison will be with the 2019 iPhone. Once that kicks in and let's say three months down the line, once we see actual established sales, how does that match up to previous years? I don't I don't know Look, they're going to sell a whole bunch, but I don't – if I feel iPhone revenue was down 12% compared to the third quarter of 2018, I'm going to guess we might still see iPhone revenue down around a a 10%-ish number. We'll find out when they report those numbers. Now, also, Apple addressed how last week – I think it was the day after – or two days after I put out the show – they announced their plans to acquire Intel's smartphone modem business – They called it their second biggest acquisition ever by dollars. It was $1 billion. I didn't remember this number. They acquired Beats for $3 billion. That's crazy. I didn't realize it was such a large number. For some reason, yeah, I figured it was like around a billion or so, but $3 billion was for Beats? Wow. All right, Apple is also... They said they were pleased to welcome the new employees from this Intel acquisition, and it'll pave the way for future products. Obviously, the rumors point to Apple working on their own in-house design modem in future phones. So that's really the earnings story. All of that kind of wrapped up in the nice bow. I hope that kind of made some sense. It did make sense, but Apple's health financially is still just fine, and the shift now is where all these other products are picking up the slack for the iPhone's decrease. Now, we want to talk about that Apple Intel smartphone mode of business acquisition. That was, that was not a surprise, but it was because it, came, it kind of came out of nowhere. We had heard a lot of the rumors about Apple may or may not do this. So we're just going to kind of rewind back in time because this happened after our last show and just talk a little bit about the acquisition, break it down a little bit of what actually happened so we know this. It was on July 25th, I believe. That was was that a was that a Wednesday or Thursday? I can't I can't remember. You guys can look it up on the calendar. But Apple acquired the majority of Intel's smartphone modem business for one billion dollars. They're absorbing around two thousand two hundred Intel employees that will join Apple. Apple also acquires the intellectual property and equipment from Intel as well. The other big thing here. Apple will hold over 17,000 wireless technology patents, ranging from protocols for cellular standards to modern art modem architecture and modem operation. Intel will still, though, be able to retain their ability to still develop modems for non-smartphone applications. So Intel can still pursue development for modems on wireless modems for PCs, and internet of thing devices and autonomous vehicles. So Apple specifically is swooping up the smartphone modem business. Now there are many levels where this is a great acquisition for Apple. There's also obviously some things to be aware of. We've talked about it here. Bottom line, Intel modems, although solid, they just have not proven to perform as well as Qualcomm's modems, specifically when your signal is lower the, the degradation of actually the speed of data transfer you get is a lot is slower just in general, as well as the modems just don't appear to be as strong as the Qualcomm's from a standpoint of just getting data pushed from the source into your phone. Now, it's not a end-of-the-world thing, but you can absolutely feel it if you've experienced this. I felt it when I didn't even know that I had an Intel modem on my phone, and then I'm like, oh, it absolutely makes makes sense like it's an anecdotal thing as well now the big thing though advantage apple is that by doing this acquisition they're going to do they're going to be able to do a lot of things they're going to be able to develop their own modem technology at their own pace why is this important well when you line up from a production supply chain standpoint which is tim cook's expertise operations is where he flourishes They're going to be able to line up things at the right time, know the inventory levels, know exactly what they expect to get and kind of drive their product innovation around that. They can also better integrate these modems with its products. So you can do things like develop new features that make their modem unique from others. Now, yes, someone will be like, well, still it doesn't perform as well as Qualcomm. I'm not talking about that, but think about Apple's chip development in the past. They developed a chip specifically for the touch bar. Whether or not you like the touch bar or not, I'm not going to hammer on that anymore. But also if you look at something like the AirPods, Apple developed the W2 chip specifically for its fast syncing and kind of its custom syncing to Apple devices. That was an Apple thing. So we don't know exactly what they're going to do with this, but the fact that they can now control the development of this modem and then integrate new features on it instead of Qualcomm or Intel at the time, just giving them the modem and say, hey, put this in here. It I've got to imagine that we're going to see some really cool, maybe a unique feature or two that's going to make a difference in the long run. This is not going to happen overnight. It's just not. Um, but Apple's now doing their own processors. They're doing the, you know, the the ARM chips are for Apple devices. Uh, it'll be an A13 coming up in the new 2019 iPhones. Also, they have their co-motion processor, That is all packed on there. And then they're going to be eventually getting their own modem. So I think that's really exciting. The other thing, they had to do this from a supply standpoint with Intel exiting after Apple and Qualcomm settled their disputes. And Qualcomm's like, okay, yes, now we can supply modems for you for your potential 2020 5G-based iPhone Qualcomm is going to be pretty much the dominant supplier for smartphone modems that Apple would have 100% relied on. This allows Apple to now, over time, not be dependent on one customer and really develop it for themselves. They won't have to worry about royalties or fees or costs that Qualcomm dictates. They can dictate their own cost with their own hardware. There's no license that they have to deal with. Um, but. This is all way down the line. This is not anytime soon. So that's going to be really advantageous. And then what I see in the future, this is not going to happen again overnight, but Apple could, once they get it right, once they get the tech right for themselves, they could end up being a modem supplier for other companies. That to me is somewhere, let's arguably say three to five years down the line. I don't think it's going to, I don't know if it's going to happen, but they could do this. They could do this. Apple was already working to develop their own modems for a while. We had talked about reports of them opening up offices out of Santa Clara and San Diego and trying to really poach and acquire talent from Qualcomm, whose headquarters in the US is in San Diego. So, Apple recently announced plans to hire 1,200 more employees in San Diego to specifically for this department. So, this really bolsters their efforts to control their own destiny when it comes to these smartphone modems. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I got to imagine this will not have too much of an effect on the 2020 um, iPhones. I feel like they've got to integrate this group. They've got to figure out how everything is going to run. There's operation stuff they've got to do. Then they want to innovate and then incorporate whatever features they put in with testing with their phone and modems. I don't think we'll necessarily see the fruits of this acquisition until 2021 I could be wrong maybe they'll fast track it, but at least right now um we'll see We also saw you know a report from the verge talked about this as well about how this is kind of what Apple is doing now. they did this similarly uh where they spent three hundred million dollars to acquire a company called Dialog that su- previously had supplied Apple with its power management chips for its phones. So that acquisition was again another way where Apple is trying to manage, really, really manage and be hands on with Sony aspects of its of its devices. Um, although yes, we still got a one thousand dollar phone. Um, so I don't think dialogue helped with the price of the phone there. Yeah, didn't 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 work out there. But hey hey, we will see. All right. We'd like to thank the sponsor of this show and that would be you. That's right. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support the show starting at $2 per month. $5 is basically a cup of coffee per month. It goes up to 10, 25, $100 levels, the platinum level. We have different rewards at different levels and really if I've given you some value and you would like to return that value to me this is a completely independent show I still do honestly need your support and I appreciate it all but you are allowing me to keep doing this it covers not only the audio podcast but the videos that I do as well and as I continue to grow and bring more content it is all part of this so patreon.com slash Tong is the way that you can support the show so thank you thank you so much for doing that All right, a story that kind of was the big mainstream media story this week. Obviously, it probably has to do with something about privacy, security. And Siri was at the center of all of this. I don't know if you heard about this, but a report from The Guardian talked about details where contractors that are working uh, on Siri regularly hear confidential medical information, drug deals, Recordings of couples having sex, it's getting that sassy time in, and other private information. This report shared details collected from a contractor who works on one of Apple's series teams. The employee wanted to share the information because this person, he or she, was concerned with Apple's lack of disclosure about its human oversight when dealing with this. So the whistleblower in the article said there have been countless instances of recordings featuring private discussions between doctors and patients, business deals, seemingly criminal dealings, sexual encounters, and so on. These recordings are accompanied by user data showing location, contact details, and app data. Now, Apple went back to The Guardian and confirmed in their own statement that, yes, there's a small number of anonymized Siri requests that aren't analyzed for the purpose of improving Siri. So they said this, a small portion of Siri requests are analyzed to improve Siri and dictation. User requests are not associated with the user's Apple ID. Siri responses are analyzed in secure facilities and all reviewers are under the obligation to adhere to Apple's strict confidentiality requirements. Well, so much for confidentiality. This, this employee, this contractor is like, um... That's not exactly true because we saw user data, location, lo- location data, contact details, and app data. Now, Apple for themselves, they have not made its human-based Siri analy- analysis a secret, but the fact that it, re- you know, there's a lot of human oversight here is disturbing. The they said a lot of the issues happen not when Siri is prompted on the phone, but specifically it's more related to when someone accidentally uh, lifts their wrist. We have that Siri feature on the Apple Watch where if you lift your wrist up to your mouth or if there's a similar movement, it triggers that and it can record clips of somewhere around 30 seconds. They say really the two culprits are the HomePod and the Apple Watch that tend to be record giving, sending these recordings off that people just may or may not be really aware about um that those are the two things so you obviously can turn off that magic siri feature if you want but you know will will this i don't think apple's gonna misuse this i'm gonna say i don't think but ultimately we know this whether it's apple whether it's google whether it's amazon we have seen time and time again already maybe what we're about Now, this is kind of being a really mature consumer product for the past year and a half to two years. It's really started to hit that consumer level where you're hearing more and more stories about people being able to actually hear aspects of our conversations. Because guess what? These are listening devices. So people can get mad about this. But for me, knowing that I have these products in my home, I kind of expect, I kind of know that this is what. I'm signing up for. You can say privacy, privacy all you want, but at the end of the day, these things are listening to you. So, you know, I don't think anything is going to change here. Apple said when we do send information to a server, we protect your privacy by using anonymized rotating identifiers so that searches and locations can't be traced to you personally. You can also disable location services. And there's other proactive features that allow you to not use your location at any time. So again, a nice mainstream story where it's like the news. I even saw it on the local news. It was like, Siri's listening to your conversations. No, Sherlock. Obviously. All right, let's go on to kind of some of the more rumors and stories and rumblings that are happening. A lot more buzz is picking up. For the 16 inch MacBook Pro, Digitimes reported this week the notebook is going to feature surprise, not only a 16 inch screen, but an ultra narrow bezel design that should pretty much roughly be in the same overall size as the current 15 inch model. Is that the screen will be like just, just like, just right up to the edge. Taiwanese contract manufacturer Quanta is expected to assemble the notebook. Digitimes is kind of throwing out a very aggressive date of September launch. We know that September is normally for the iPhone, the Apple Watch, and most likely we'll see them talk about their services. Um, We've seen them talk about audio products like the AirPods and the HomePod, where October has typically been like iPad and Mac season. We don't know exactly when this thing is coming out. We still don't know the exact specs it'll be rolling with, but the screen will be be supplied by LG Display. It will be an LCD screen, not an OLED screen, and have a resolution of 3072 by 1920 pixels. So MacBook Pro 16-inch, it becomes more and more likely that we're going to see this this year. Price point-wise, they're talking about somewhere fitting between the Mac current 15-inch MacBook Pro and an iMac Pro. Targets are saying a $3,000 starting price point for the base model. Look, I love the idea of a 16-inch screen I'll probably eventually get one down the road but I'm not in a position 6 $3000 that's just a base model and if you look at an Apple 15-inch MacBook Pro base model which is I believe 2399 and it has a uh 6-core Intel um i9th gen Intel i7 processor I believe it comes with 16 gigs of RAM and uh 256 gig hard uh yeah, 256 gig hard drive to start for 23.99. If you max it out with the best video card, uh, with the best storage, with the best processor, it's over. It's around five thousand two hundred dollars. So a sixteen inch model is gonna easily probably hit a fully maxed out machine around six thousand dollars if you're using it for you know high end. You know you want to do video editing, Photoshop, all that good stuff. You're gonna, that's gonna cost a pretty penny. So we'll see if that's really, if, if is that in your price point? I don't know. I think it's really exciting that they're doing this, but I don't know how much it's gonna sell because Apple's prices aren't drop, aren't going any lower. They're, they're getting higher. We've seen it. And maybe, I don't know if we'll see a correction with the iPhone this year. Will they kind of shy away from a $1,000 iPhone? We'll see. But also, in a fun follow up to the MacBook Pro story, you got to love advertising. You got to love competitors because I don't know if you've seen this yet, but you should look it up. Microsoft has a new Mac versus PC ad. And what they do here, very clever. They get a guy named Mac book McKenzie. A book is his name to dis Apple. So um, what I'm going to do, it's only like a 25 second ad. I think it's fun. Let's just play it so you guys can actually hear what they're doing here. This is a Surface Laptop 2. And this is a real person named Mackenzie Book. Hi, I'm MacBook. Book. So Mac, which laptop lasts longer? Surface Laptop lasts longer. Hmm, interesting. And which one's faster? This one's faster. Really? Amazing. Which one has a better touchscreen? screen? The Surface has a better touchscreen because it actually has a touchscreen. Oh, right. Macs don't have touchscreens. You should get a Surface. Trust me, a MacBook. Well, there you have it. MacBook says get a Surface. Oh my gosh. For reals? I actually think that's funny. Guess what? This is going to start a whole new wave of ads. I'm surprised we haven't seen an ad from Sam Sung. I'm waiting for us to see. There's a dude named Sam Sung out there that definitely, definitely cannot be a fan of Apple products. Come on, son. Sam Sung. If your name is Samsung, you need to start applying to advertising agencies immediately. This could, this could be your big day, Sam. I'm just telling you, I don't know if you remember this, but I think a long time ago there was actually there was actually an employee whose name was Samsung. <laughs> that worked for Apple because he had a business card that said Sam Sung on it. Amazing. Also, it's that time of the season Foxconn is ramping up their seasonal hiring spree ahead of 2019 iPhones. We're just basically about 6 weeks away from Apple unveiling this new trio of 2019 iPhones. You've seen the dummy models, you've seen the triple lens cameras, you've seen the dual lens camera on the Whatever the next gen iPhone 10 are, the report claims that Foxconn is offering a one-time bonus of four thousand five hundred Chinese yuan, or roughly six hundred fifty dollars, to employees who renew their contracts. Right now, they're looking to ramp up for this 2019 iPhone release. Also this week, iOS 13 Beta 5 came out alongside, um, which does update iOS 13 and iPad OS, as well as an update to TV OS and mac os so all catalina all of these things just some kind of quick mentions in ipad os we know that they have given you an option to reduce the screen size of the icons so you can fit more icons on there there's now an option to basically keep the standard bigger icons or the smaller one in earlier builds it was by default gave you a six icon across kind of layout i i feel like they should give you an option to even squeeze in more on that but that's just me other subtle things in the new share sheet you can kind of customize it with other actions meaning if you're when you hit share on a website you can add kind of favorites that rise to the top whether it's to copy it add a bookmark add it to favorites instead of kind of scrolling through this whole thing there's a new wallpaper for the home app that's like you know if you use the home app on your phone. Um, The other thing, some new move goals are in the activity app. If you hit move goals of of 1,250 days, 1,500 days, 1,750, 2,000 times, you get some new little things. And then the LTE icon, the LTE 5GE icon is now larger in size to match the other icons on the top right of the display. The other subtle thing, volume, you can adjust it on your iPhone and iPad more. Finally, with this Beta 5 update, there are 34 levels of volume, right? When you tap, 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 tap away, it allows for smaller adjustments to the sound. So these are just small tweaks that are happening in iOS 13 Beta 5, which obviously we'll see um, in September. Typically, I believe they release iOS 13 um, in at least on non, when a new phone comes, obviously it loads on there, but earlier devices, I think it gets it like just just before the phone comes out or around that same week pretty much within that same week another report about the licks looking forward to the 2020 iPhone we talked a lot about the 2020 iPhone last show I still think it's the phone to get I mean fine you get a triple lens and a faster processor in this one and a little bit of AR we'll see we'll see what else they do again we don't know anything officially I'm just going off what we know and being a little lukewarm on what we expect. The three iPhones are now expected to launch in 2020 with all of them supporting 5G. According to Ming-Chi Kuo, he believes Apple's Intel smartphone modem chip business will help drive that. But again, we will see. All right, we told you. Call in, be a part of the show. Record a voice memo. It sounds crystal clear. Applebitsshow at gmail.com. We had a caller alex who sent in a call but the question was answered in last show that happens a lot some of you guys and gals ask questions that we end up answering a week before but your call sounds really nice but you just need to be on top of it all right alex all right here we go let's get to our first call this coming to us from scott smith hey brian it's scott from southern california glad you enjoyed your recent trip had an elseworlds question for you so in the last podcast, you talked a lot about how the 2020 iPhone is looking to have USB-C. So what if instead of that, Apple announces Lightning Port 2.0? How does the world respond? <laughs> Thanks, man. Love the show. Bye. Okay. Uh first up, Scott, I think that you are a comics books fan because when you mention Elseworlds, that's kind of a reference to uh DC Comics alternate slash universe slash story timeline that tends to actually be more dark and evil so are you are you intimating that lightning 2.0 would be evil and a dark version of our reality maybe but i thought that was actually really cool thinking because we are so already like hey usbc usbc and look they're going to go to usbc but if they decided to be the bad guy here and go with Lightning 2.0, oh man, I think everyone would freak out just because this would all work to Apple's advantage. Okay, I don't think this is going to happen for the record, but why would it still be good for them? A lot of the reasons why we talked about, I believe in last week's show, about why Lightning is still going to be on this year's phone. It is still slightly smaller. They can still really control the port from a standpoint of, quality control to make sure you know all those accessories that are part of the m5 program that they get royalties from work so yes it sounds like oh quality control smallity control whatever it does it does play a factor in it but i do like the thinking that apple would just be like you know what forget y'all we're going lightning 2.0 but unfortunately because their macbook pros are USB C, their ipad pros pros our USB C, all bets are on USB C. But I like what you're thinking because it would be so, so evil, and it's something that yeah. If Apple did, we would definitely throw a bad apple. Ah! That would just be dirty. All right, next call coming to us from Bo. Hey Brian, this is Bo in Arkansas. Uh, in regards to the new iPhone that's coming out. I still have the original iPhone 10, and sounds like the iPhone of 2020 might be appealing, but I really just hope I can use this one as long as possible. I really love this phone, and I don't think it has some of the issues that they're dealing with. Um, in regards to Apple's TV streaming service, totally not interested. I'm um, Apple everything, but they have nothing appealing and I already have money in the budget ready for Disney plus. So I'll be subscribing to that as soon as they launch. So that's a no brainer. Um, yeah. Keep up the good work. Thank you. All right, Bo. So just getting his little thoughts and reactions and, you know, I've been asking you all of where you stand with these things. Again, I really think it's going to be interesting to see what, what Apple does because um my iPhone ten camera lens is completely shattered, it's bro it's weird it like keeps on breaking on me for whatever reason I'm not even sitting on it, so I have a ten R that I've been using um that I got as a review unit a long time ago, and um man I'm I'm really like just from a standpoint of the price and what the ten R brings I I literally other than it being a little bit heavier I don't miss a thing, uh, using a ten R versus an iphone 10 it still has portrait mode even without the dual lens now yes the 2019 iphone will have the triple lens i will be getting it to review it but man if you're someone who has a 10r i don't think you need a you don't even need to consider you uh, you really don't need to upgrade for another year i think that thing is more than capable the battery on it lasts so much longer it doesn't have an OLED screen, but you can only really tell when you hold it up side by side to a f- iPhone with an OLED screen. And it doesn't make you feel like, oh, no, I don't have OLED. That's just kind of like a psychological thing. So, yeah, I th- I'm I'm curious to see how well the 2019 iPhone actually sells this year, specifically with 2020 being lined up. It's kind of the next big leap. And then since we were kind of talking about OLED, I guess this goes perfectly to our call from Gabriel Hutchinson. Linus Tech Tips made a video about the new Razer laptop with a 4K OLD display. He raised some issues in implementing that kind of tech in a laptop, such as the color accuracy. And it had me wondering, how would Apple implement OLED into their rumored 16-inch MacBook Pro? Do you think they're going to pull this off in a magical Apple kind of way? Or do you think the rumors are wrong because of all the complications that might come about it? And do you think they might implement some kind of micro LED instead? Or maybe neither. If you were to bet, what would your bet be? All right, so for for those of you that um, haven't seen the video, you know, Razer has a new laptop that has an OLED screen up, but not only is it color accuracy, you know, it's, here's the thing, an OLED screen on a laptop looks amazing, but then it comes down to, how applicable is this, you know, from a day to day use? What are the advantages? And really, there the thing about this and the trick about this is: a, all reports say that Apple will not be bringing OLED to this new 16-inch MacBook Pro. Now, if that cha- that is most likely to change in the future, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm like 99% sure we are not gonna see an OLED screen on a MacBook pro anytime this year in 2019 2020 may be different but other issues is and this is some of the issues that popped up the oled screen specifically in this new razor blade 15 inch um, laptop is a 60 hertz refresh rate so for gamers that's not going to be it that's not a go but at the same time macbook owners are a different crowd that gaming doesn't matter the big thing other two things that stand out you talk about OLEDs, you talk about potential burn-in on your laptop with OLEDs. Um, That, again, remains to be seen over time if that actually, you know, based on the new technologies that they're working through and saying that, oh, burn-in won't be an issue, we'll see. And then the third thing is color accuracy. Basically, depending on the brightness level you use, it changes the color accuracy. I don't personally know anyone who's, who's editing a video at a high professional level that is actually using their even their LCD MacBook Pro display as the as their default for color calibration. Like yes, you can calibrate, but they're typically using other monitors to verify and look at it. They're not using a MacBook Pro screen to do that. So I don't think that would change even if there was an OLED screen. If the if the whole reason is if you buy an OLED screen, you're going to be able to get you know as true to color as possible, well, that's Apple's six thousand dollar display that people are we're ripping on, but it's actually a killer deal when it comes down to the technology inside of it, so I think it looks great, like for viewing movies, Netflix, and then day to day stuff, but just even the power consumption and the other aspects of it, there's still a lot of barriers that need to kind of be resolved. And my hunch is that you give it time. A year in tech is a lifetime. A lot of things happen. Maybe Apple does bring an OLED screen to the MacBook Pro, but definitely not in 2019. And uh, if they do, they're gonna have to address some of those issues. Even even get a better, re- specifically a better refresh rate would be important as well. And you know we'll see how that goes. So I think that's gonna pretty much do it for this week's show. We always have to say, Thank you so much for all of you for listening. Uh, you guys and gals are a huge part of the show that makes this happen. And thank you to our Patreon, Platinum Apple supporters at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this. I still have a lot of work to do and more content to bring to you all, but uh, I can't say anything but thanks and be grateful for all that you are allowing me to do. So thank you so much. But that's gonna do it for this week. We will be back next week. Um surprise this is not like vacation season for me but i will be gone next week i'll have a show in place for the meantime um i'll be on my annual trip to hawaii but you know uh, you'll have an episode you'll have a show you'll have a video and then look this is the season right before gadgets go crazy so obviously the content will be flowing so Thanks so much for everything, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. And you know what? Send your voice memos, applebitshow at gmail.com. Apple Bits with a Z. We'll talk to you soon. Take care and be safe. Peace.